On this prequel episode, we've got patron shoutouts, we're learning about steampunk, and previewing Mortal Engines. Hello, and welcome back, after quite a long little break, to this film was lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. We're in the new studio, it's all mostly set up, 90%, doing a preview episode. Thank you for sticking with us over this hiatus. <laughs> it's felt like, it feels like it's been forever since I know, we did an episode. I know, it feels episode. like it's been eight million years. <laughs> it's been three weeks, I guess, technically, <laughs> kind of, but yeah. Only really like one episode, like one main episode we missed, but man, it feels like an eternity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we got lots of stuff to talk about this week. We got some new patrons. I think that'll be our, well, not I think, that will be our first thing. I think I got all of them. Because, uh, like, I went back and looked at the dates. The last prequel episode came out on the 22nd, and we mm-hmm. had a patron on the 22nd, so I included them here in case they weren't. I think that's correct. Pretty sure that would I'm be pretty accurate. sure I looked like it was like the day the episode came out, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then that would be right. Yeah, yeah because yeah. that we would have recorded it the day before. Yes. So, and then the last patron before that was like several weeks, so we mm-hmm. should have been fine. So, let's get to our new patrons. We have at the $5 level. And this was the person who joined on January 22nd, which was our last prequel episode, Joseph A. Rogers. I don't remember the names. Is that the Newberry level? Um, or the... The five... Yeah. Or is that the other one? What's the other one? <laughs> I don't know. I remember we one of them's the Newberry and one of them's the Academy Award. Them. I remember the Academy Award and one of them's the Newberry. I just don't remember which one. And then one's the other... I think Newberry is the $2 one. Yeah. And... It's the another book award. Is, um, or no, it's the Hugo. It's the Hugo, yeah. You're the Hugo level, I forgot. Yep, there you go. So, Joseph A. Rogers, thank you for supporting us. And then our other new patrons, uh, we have three at the $15 Academy Award level. You're only going to get one shout-out this week and not in the, the recurring segment here coming up in a second. But they are Shelby Suderman, super fan of the show. We hear from her almost every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, she reads along a lot of the books. And watches along almost every movie and has a lot of great content and feedback on the old social media. So we appreciate you jumping on. And we also have Corey supporting us for $15 a month and Gratch. Just Gratch (laughs) and just Corey. So thank you to all of our new patrons. It's four of you since we last did a prequel episode. Just the biggest of kudos, the biggest of thanks. And we hope you enjoy your bonus content and your other perks that you're getting. Getting back to our Academy Award winner patrons, the recurring shout-out you get every prequel episode. First up, we've got Mr. Nobody. That's your name every time, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Second up, we have, and this is the person who changes their name pretty much every time, Brad Pitt doesn't deserve an Oscar for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen that either. So I can't yeah, judge. So I'm not going to comment. <laughs> but I will take your word for it. I was disappointed that I think he beat out in the... It was in the Golden Globes, Daniel Craig was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and I Mm. believe Brad Pitt beat him out for the Golden Globe, I think, Mm. and I was disappointed about that. Now, Daniel Craig was not nominated for Knives Out for the Oscars, so he beat out like Al Pacino and Robert De Niro and a bunch of just other people (laughs) in movies that I didn't see this year, so didn't really care, but I was disappointed in the Golden Globes. And then our final $15 patron... Alina Doletkolova, thank you 
all of you for being so great and supporting us. We love you very much. Let's go. I forgot to mention we have listener polls. Let's do that now, Katie. Yeah, we do. Um, it's been forever since yeah. our Howl's Moving Castle episode, but we did do listener polls and we did get some feedback. Um, we got a little bit of engagement on Facebook, not as much as we usually get yeah. on, on the old book. Um, <laughs> what they're calling it i don't know okay they're not i, I don't know you. what they're calling it all right nothing um we got three votes on facebook two of them were for the book one for the movie okay um, and we had one listener comment um alexis said i think on its own the movie has merits that make it great and beautiful but i definitely prefer the book I think Sophie has a much better characterization and actually exhibits character growth throughout the story. Some parts definitely got lost in the adaptation, which is to be expected, but the shoehorning of the anti-war message into the story and subsequently combining a few characters into one made it feel muddled and difficult to understand motivations overall. Basically, I was most disappointed in the treatment of Sophie as a character in the movie versus the book. Um, so right. that's a, a lot of the same things that we said. Yeah. In yeah. our, in our yeah, You had a lot of similar criticisms. Yeah. Um, and then over on Twitter, we had a, a good bit of engagement uh -huh. um, compared to what we usually have. We had got 15 votes. Nine of them were for the book. That's wild. Six were for the movie. Twitter, I, was, I feel like, is usually like a movie yeah. winning platform because for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah, I was pretty surprised by the results of this poll go around altogether because I really thought the movie would take it if only by virtue of the movie being more well known. Yeah. And like people seeing that and just like knee oh, jerk. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love I this like movie. That is what I feel like happens occasionally. Which yeah. we, we encourage you to feel free to vote um, yeah, for any absolutely. movie. But that does feel like, at least on Twitter a lot of times, that that's what's going on. It's just people mm -hmm. like, oh, I saw the movie, liked it. Yeah. I picked the movie. Yeah. So this one was a little bit of a surprise for me. Um, but you know what? I support you guys. I agree with you. There you go. Um, so we had a couple listener comments on Twitter as well. At um, Dragon Babies Pod said, It's honestly hard for me to even compare the two because they feel like totally different creatures, which mm -hmm. is fair. Um, we'll never stop being delighted the movie exists, but I struggle to associate it with the source material because they take such different paths, which is also a very fair assessment. Yeah. Um, at Minty Cell said, I was made to read the book in children's lit class in college, pick it apart and ultra analyze it. So the experience of reading the book will never be as delightful as watching the movie. Ah. Yeah. Um, that always makes me sad when people say they had a, a book ruined by a class. Yeah. Like, I get it. There are plenty of books that I never want to read again. Yeah. But it is kind of like... Womp womp. Yeah. I can see if you have to go really go through it with a fine-tooth comb for a yeah. class, it can definitely make some of the charm sort of, the luster sort of fade on the, if you're kind of no. really... Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I have two English degrees. I'm just used to it. Yeah. But... I mean, sometimes it can, it can go both ways. You know, for no, some I people that it. can yeah. make the, the, their enjoyment of something amplify. But, you know, some people that it's just like, oh, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I'm going to give a couple things that um, Shelby said about comparing the book and the movie. We mm -hmm. were messaging. Um, she said, the dog's cute. True. I like its wheezing little bark, but the book one is better. Okay. The ending of the movie is bonkers random. I'm glad she agrees. <laughs> 
And she also said, I feel like Miyazaki could have easily told the story he wanted to without bringing the book into it, and it would have been fine, which I totally agree with. So almost just like a completely different, so not even the same characters, or it sounds like what she's saying, or... I mean, yeah, I think he could have just told a completely separate story. Set in like a, a fantasy book. type setting. Yeah, and, set in a know. fantasy type setting. And it like would have been totally fine. Or, or if even would have liked it. Or even maybe what she's saying is still keep it same characters and that sort of thing. But just like completely change the, the plot. But yeah, I mean, I think that could have yeah. potentially worked Like too. use the characters and kind of keep some of the characterization the same. But like kind of wildly change the plot more so than they even did in the movie interesting all right cool all right that's it for our listener feedback thank you once again to everybody who responded who voted who sent comments or messages we appreciate them all and we love hearing from you let's move on we have a learning thing segment let's learn about steampunk yeah let's do it no matter what anybody tells you words and ideas can change the world and steampunk is a subgenre of speculative fiction, which itself is a subgenre of sci-fi slash fantasy. Mm-hmm. So it's like a sub-subgenre. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also refers to the associated subculture, um, not just the... Literary. Yeah, not just the literary genre. media yeah. genre. Um, so steampunk is retro-futuristic. Being speculative, it leans on what-if... Um, in this case, largely, what if the internal combustion engine never replaced the steam engine? Yep. And away we go into an go. alternate universe. <laughs> I believe I heard Glenn Hetrick describe it exactly as that on an episode of Face Off. <laughs> He's a big steampunk fan. Yes, he is. Um, steampunk works are often set in an alternative, an alternative history of the 19th century British Victorian era, or sometimes the American Wild West. Hence Wild Wild West, if you've seen that masterpiece of American cinema, which has very uh, strong... I have that later in my notes. Oh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't read your notes. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm um, sorry. But here is a fun fact. Um, the Victorian era is definitely like the more common yeah. steampunk setting, but the american wild west variant is sometimes referred to as cattle punk hmm yeah interesting i've never heard that cattle punk there you go and so the setting is important because one of the most recognizable hallmarks of steampunk is its use of anachronistic technologies Mm. which are rooted in the era's perspective on technology fashion art etc etc please note everyone that i correctly pronounced anachronistic (laughs) this time (laughs) i worked on it well done um so we have that definition um or as american young adult author caitlin kittridge put it it's sort of victorian industrial but with more whimsy and fewer orphans there you go (laughs) Um, so the term steampunk is actually something that was made up on purpose Um, It was coined by American sci-fi and horror author K.W. Jeter, who was trying to give a collective name to the stories that he, author Tim Powers, and author James Blaylock were writing in the early 1980s, which were based on the works of earlier authors like H.G. Wells, Jules Verne, Mm -hmm. um, some pretty common names in steampunk fiction. Yeah. Um, The term is supposedly a tongue-in-cheek reference to cyberpunk, 
a genre which was saturating the media at the time. Um, William Gibson, Neuromancer, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, Jeter wrote that he thought Victorian fantasies are going to be the next big thing as long as we can come up with a fitting collective term. And they did. Yeah, there they go. They <laughs> sure did. So was there, I guess, I guess you're going to get into it, but there was there the sort of boom of the steampunk like novel in the same way. Obviously, Mortal Engines is one, but like mm-hmm. in the same way as something like the vampire ya boom of like the mid early 2000s you know what i mean i think steampunk is something because i like i don't super get into a timeline here because it's kind of hard to plot out because it's something at least it seems to me like that has had like small recurring booms but it's not like boomed in the way that like you said like the young adult vampire boomed or even cyberpunk boomed it's had like kind of smaller yeah spurts of boom interesting um because there were there was a little bit of a boom in the like mid to late 1980s following these guys Mm -hmm. um and i don't know if you'll remember this there was a little bit of a boom in like the early 2010s I don't know. I I was probably not reading. That was around the time where I wasn't reading much, or like that was in between. That was like right when I was in college, like, mm-hmm. and so I wasn't doing a whole lot of book. Or like any time before that, reading tons of book and would have books and would have been up on that. But I know I wouldn't have noticed if that kind of and a lot happen. of that was with like the more subculture aspect yeah. too. Like there was um I do yes yeah. I do sort of remember the more that the boom in the aesthetic yes of in the aesthetic of steampunk more so than like the literary yeah. sort of genre. So it has like soft, but I'm sure they kind like, of went hand yeah, in hand. Soft yeah. booms every now and then. Yeah, it like cycles. Um, but speaking of the subculture and the aesthetic, yeah. um, one of steampunk's more significant contributions um, from that perspective is the way that it mixes styles and genres. Um, there's a focus on upcycling. It very much has this like DIY crafting makerism element mm-hmm. to it, especially in regard to clothing and style. For sure. Um, Visual hallmarks of steampunk include a focus on old-fashioned materials, um, brass, copper, wood, glass, ornate carvings, and of course, mechanical workings. Gears! (laughs) Give me them gears! So many gears! (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then especially for clothing and costuming, what steampunk does is kind of take the best Victorian styles and then combines those with more modern alternative styles, um, your goth, your punk, your burlesque, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah. But as Glenn Hattrick was quick to say on Face Off, steampunk doesn't just mean gluing gears all over everything, at least in his opinion. <laughs> he was very quick to criticize anybody who just slapped gears all over everything whenever they mm-hmm. had a steampunk challenge. He said everything should look like it has a purpose and a place because it is at its core, if it, in his opinion, when done well, like it's 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 leaning into the uh like you said, the um, it's leaning into that speculative nature, speculative of it, nature right? of like it's these things are doing something. Yeah. yeah, it's not just like oh, these gears are really cool, so I'm yeah. sticking them on my hat. It's that they do something. Yeah, it's that my like, hat has yeah. a has a has some sort of like mechanism that allows a, a little like yeah, telescope like, to come down. Yeah, I or wind whatever. the gear and binoculars come yeah. down, or like a, a third eye pops out, or yeah. an umbrella comes out of the top, or something. Yeah. 
Yeah. But you can also just slap gears on stuff if you're into that look. That's cool. We're not going to yeah. gatekeep steampunk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that from from a purely aesthetic perspective, that kind of is how you achieve the, the aesthetic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> if you just want to at a glance achieve it, slap some yep. gears. Got some gears. And then and then age it up. Yeah. Take some black acrylic paint, mix it with a little water, and slather it over everything, and then rub it off. You're done. Did it. Do you it. know we cosplay a little bit, guys? <laughs> A little bit. A little bit, occasionally. Uh, Never done I, steampunk. But yeah, I. Not my. I'm not super into it. It's all right. I like the idea of steampunk more than I like actual steampunk. Yeah. I I think I would feel far too ridiculous wearing <laughs> steampunk, and I wear lots of ridiculous things. But I something about it. I think like when I see people who do it and do it well, I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. Like, I I I see why you like that, and I think it looks cool. But I it's just not. I guess there's just other things that I'd be way more interested in mm-hmm. dressing up as or wearing as opposed to like steampunk. It's just I don't know. Yeah. It's very low I, on I my could, totem pole. I could go for like a subtle steampunk maybe. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think when it's really done over the top, I think yeah, I would probably feel a little bit silly. Yeah, which, much like you, is saying something. Yeah, yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just it's, it's not as into it as other things. So, um, so I have a few examples of steampunk media. There are obviously a lot of examples. These are just a few. Um, so don't come at me telling me I forgot your favorite things. Because you're right. <laughs> you're right. I did. This is just a a very quick sample. Um, so we have K.W. Jeter. We talked about him earlier. Um, his Infernal Devices is arguably the book that started it all. Um, and not to be confused with Cassandra Clare's The Infernal Devices, although that's also a pretty <laughs> good example of steampunk fiction. Um, The Difference Engine by William Gibson and Bruce Sterling. Um, Extraordinary Engines. I love these names. I know, right? So far. (laughs) Devices, engines. (laughs) Yeah. Gears. Come on. That's that's fair. Moving away from literature into film, um, the 1954 film adaptation of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is kind of another steampunk hallmark. Uh, Wild Wild West mm-hmm. with its giant mechanical yes. spider. Yep, yep, yep. We'll put real... that, yeah, we'll put that into cattle punk. Yeah, and there's a really fun story about why that spider's in the film that Kevin Smith tells if you've ever looked up. Uh, if you look up Kevin Smith, uh, Wild Wild West or something on YouTube, you'll probably find it He in one of his shows or something. He tells a story about how he saw how how he what what went through his head when he saw that in theaters and the story behind the whole thing. It's very interesting and very mm-hmm. funny, but anyways. Um, and then my last example is the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Um, oh, then, yeah. Yeah. And I also want to say there are also plenty of examples of media that just use steampunk elements without going full steampunk. Yeah. Um, Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials mm-hmm. definitely has a steampunk kind of edge to it. Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes movies oh, absolutely, yeah. are kind of a soft steampunk. Very, yeah, soft. But there are elements where, yeah, yeah especially with yeah the, the sort of like contraptions mm-hmm. that Sherlock and, and Watson use. Yeah, and it's kind of a styled up Victorian. Yeah, it's, it's very much, it's Guy Ritchie's Victorian England, <laughs> yeah. which Guy Ritchie's Victorian England is a little steampunk. <laughs> um, and then Doctor Who plays, plays yeah. with steampunk elements and visuals quite a bit. Yeah, every now and then you'll, there's an episode, there's probably one or two a season, I would say, mm-hmm. that very much, very strongly incorporate something sort of steampunky. Uh, probably maybe most 
famously is uh, in the David Tennant run. The uh, it's a great episode. There's actually a Philosophers in Space episode about it. It's the only Doctor Who episode I think they've done so far. Uh, is the girl in the fireplace, yes. which is the one where uh, they end up on a spaceship, and it's I can't remember which monarch it is. One of the, uh, no, I can't remember. But um, she's uh, they're they're in a spaceship, and there's like portals back to uh, Victorian. No, it's, it's France. It's I think. France, but it's um, it's what's Madame, her name? Madame du Poisson. Yeah, or Madame du Poisson, yeah. but whatever her. Yeah, uh, and there are clockwork villains and yes. that that are like these robots that are all gears and really cool yeah. looking and stuff like that. Um, the other thing that from Doctor Who that kind of springs immediately to my mind is um, the episode where the TARDIS comes becomes to life, a, a, yep. comes to life and yeah. and she definitely has a steampunk yes. kind of aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah, a living TARDIS would, and especially <laughs> during the uh, the Moffat era, yeah. for sure, yeah. And especially an episode that Neil Gaiman wrote. Yeah, yeah, that is a Neil Gaiman episode. <laughs> the perfect storm. It is the perfect storm, yeah. <laughs> um, so I have a kind of sort of homework here. Um, if you listen to this episode, um, we're talking about steampunk, go ahead and drop a comment um, somewhere on our social media and tell us what your favorite steampunk is. You'll probably make is. a post specifically just like, what's your favorite steampunk? Thing? I could do that. You should do yeah. that. That'll make do it that. easier. That can kind of I'll make a specific together. post. What's your favorite <laughs> steampunk media? Maybe we'll put ours on there and then people yeah. can put. I want, we want to hear from you guys. And awesome. Learn about what you like. All right, that's your homework. Go follow us on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all that good stuff. And uh, tell us what you like, what, what you like about steampunk. If you don't like steampunk, tell us why you don't like steampunk. But mainly just go tell us what your favorite steampunk thing is. All right, Katie, speaking of steampunk, the reason we learned about it is because this week coming up, we're doing Mortal Engines. Let's preview the book. I was eight years old when my mother died. She loved traveling the world and digging up the past. He used to visit all the time. Now one day, everything changed. She'd found something. Something he wanted. He would have killed me too. So Mortal Engines is a young adult science fiction fantasy novel by British author and illustrator Philip Reeve, um, first published in the UK in 2001. So we're hitting that kind of Harry Potter era yep, here. Yes, we are. It's also the first book in a series, the Mortal Engines Quartet. Um, the title, Mortal Engines, is actually a Shakespeare quote. It's from Othello. Um, the full quote... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and oh, you mortal engines whose rude throats the mortal Jove's dread clamors counterfeit. Uh-huh. Um, so we've got said some, by Othello. Yeah, said by Othello. So we have some Shakespeare in here, unsurprising. Um, Philip Reeve has said that his plans to write this kind of science fiction novel um, started out back in the late 1980s, which is on track. For when we said yeah. steampunk got its start. For sure. Um, the original drafts were also apparently attend- intended to be an adult novel, but after several rejections, Scholastic said that they might be interested in Mortal Engines as a children's story. Again, we're right in our Harry Potter yeah. era here. <laughs> They're like, what if, what, what if? if, let me, hear, hold on, hear me out. What if this, but kind of like Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
you know, Philip Reeve, he had to go back and do a little bit of restructuring. Um, so the story was simplified, removed, apparently removed several characters um, and some content, like some stuff about city politics that he thought kids might not be so interested in. It's fair. Um, probably a correct assumption. Probably fair. <laughs> Immortal uh, Engines was also originally written as an alternative universe set in the early, well, that can't be right, 1900s? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's on. right. Or that's, that's classic I got my notes punk. right. Yeah, I got my notes wrong. Okay. Sorry. Um, alternative universe set in the early 1900s because the actual book is like a way in the future. Okay. Dystopian. Yeah. I confused myself for a minute. Gotcha. Um. But Reeve said that this ended up being, like, there was too much explanation required to explain just how that happened and where history diverged. It ended up being much easier to be like, it's, it's the future. way in the future, and some stuff happened, a lot of stuff happened, and here we are. Shana, the future. <laughs> Took care of that problem. <laughs> <laughs> so Mortal Engines won a Nestle Smarties Book Prize. And it was also shortlisted for the 2002 Whitbread Award, as well as the ALA's Notable Books for Children's Award in 2004. Um, so Did it that... win every food-based award? <laughs> the Nestle Smarties Award and the White Bread Award? I know it's Whitbread, but I've never heard well, of either of those. it was just shortlisted for Whitbread. Oh, okay. It didn't win. It's like really cleaning up the uh, <laughs> the old pantry circuit of awards there. God. <laughs> Um, and Publishers Weekly also praised the book, calling it a staggering feat of engineering that offers new wonders at every turn. I bet whoever wrote that felt really clever about yeah. calling it a feat of engineering. Yeah, look at them. Like, <laughs> I'm a critic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is it for our Mortal Engines book facts. Let's go ahead and talk about the film. In the great game of survival, this is checkmate. I knew you wouldn't leave me. Shut up and run. You sure you want to do this? I have to. For my mother. You look at her, and all you see are the jagged edges. But she is something quite different. She is beautiful and strange. And very... Very rare. Mortal Engines is a 2018 film directed by Christian Rivers. Christian Rivers uh, storyboarded almost all of Peter Jackson's films. Well, did storyboard all of Peter Jackson's films from a certain point. Uh, but he also worked in special effects on pretty much all of them. So he was kind of working in the background with all Peter Jackson for years and years and years and years and years. Literally from like very early in Peter Jackson's career. He was a split unit director on the Hobbit movies and the second unit director on Pete's Dragon. Uh, but this was his directorial debut. This is his first feature film as the director. And Jackson, Peter Jackson actually handpicked him for the project. He was like, I want you to do this. Because Jackson produced this film with his uh, mm -hmm. with along with Universal Pictures. Jackson bought the rights to the book in 2009, took some time for the film to finally get produced. Uh, I'm sure that a lot of that had to do with the fact that all of a sudden, ah, I have to shoot the Hobbit movies. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, kind of sidetracked some of his other projects for a while there. Um, but yeah, so he finally got back around to uh, actually producing Mortal Engines in uh, 
2016-2017. Film, this is where we're going to get into the uh, the reception of this film. The film has an aggregate score of 27% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, which is not great. Uh, the Guardian's film critic Peter Bradshaw gave the film 2 out of 5 stars, describing it as, and I quote, Steampunk Star Wars with a bit of low-octane Gilliam and Gaiman on the side, which sounds right up my alley. But <laughs> Theoretically. A, I mean, low-octane <laughs> puts a little bit of a damper on the, yeah. like, the, 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 my optimism based on that review. But theoretically, that could be right up my alley. And I remember seeing the trailers and being interested. We never ended up going to see it, but I was interested. Yeah. Well, I think, didn't we not end up going to see it because the reviews started Partially, coming out? And yes. we were like, maybe uh, we'll watch maybe this we'll, one at home. Maybe we'll wait it, wait this one out. Yeah. Uh, the box office, and this is where it gets real sad. Mortal <laughs> Engines grossed $16 million in the United States and Canada. And sixty-seven point seven million in other territories for a total worldwide gross of eighty-three million dollars. Deadline Hollywood calculated calculated that the film lost approximately one hundred and seventy-four point eight million dollars, which makes it not only the biggest box office bomb of twenty eighteen, but arguably, according to the list on Wikipedia, after adjusting for inflation, it is the biggest box office bomb of all time. <laughs> That's a yikes. <laughs> yeah. That puts it in the same ballpark uh, with films like 2013's The Lone Ranger, Yeesh. Titan AE, which I actually like as a movie, but did bomb, uh, famously bomb, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, and most recently, A Wrinkle in Time. Philip Reeve, author of Mortal Engines, who we've mentioned, praised the film, stating Christian Rivers has done a fantastic job, a huge, visually awesome action movie with perfect pace and a genuine emotional core. There are many changes to the character, world, and story, but it's still fundamentally the same thing. So oh. he approved. Stand by your man, Philip Stand Reeve. by him. And uh, yeah, we'll see if he keeps singing the same song years. Come, you know, <laughs> when we come back now, then yeah. who knows when that was? That may have been like in the lead up. Like, we got to get some good. Let's go. And yeah. Uh, uh, and then finally, uh, that's all I could find because uh, I don't think anybody saw this movie. Well, clearly nobody saw this movie, and there isn't a ton of in- like I did more googling and looking around for info than I normally do because normally I just find it pretty quick because mm-hmm. usually do pretty popular movies. I did some like deep searching, and it was tough to find, especially uh, which is especially strange for like a Peter Jackson sort of yeah. production because there's usually extensive sort of behind the scenes and making of and you know so there's usually lots of trivia and facts and cool information the 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 imdb trivia section is like 10 things the wikipedia production section is like a paragraph are we pretending this one didn't happen i think we're pretending this one didn't happen is kind of what's happening what's going on which is unfortunate yeah uh because i i'm betting okay so that's all i got for the movie facts we're gonna wrap this up but i'm betting that i like this movie that's my guess going in. I could be wrong. Could get in and find it really boring. But I'm betting that I will enjoy this movie. I think that's probably an accurate bet for you. I'm going to bet that I don't like it. Yeah. And especially comparing it to the book, yeah. you think. Yeah. That could be fair. That could be fair. I'm just, I have a feeling from what the reviews I've seen uh, of, of what the problems are with the movie and stuff, I could be wrong. I may end up going, yeah, it was a mess. But I, I have a feeling that it's going to have the emotional sort of through lines that I'm looking for. It's going to have great, great. The aesthetic is going to be like, woof, I'm, I'm going to be there for it. Yeah. 
Uh, and uh, it's going to have a lot of really cool, fun action sequences and stuff. And I'm thinking I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to like it overall. Maybe like a solid 6, 7 out of 10. Not like not like great film, but mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but we'll see. But that that's my expectation. That's what I'm thinking might happen. I don't say it's my expectation. But. All right. So tune in <laughs> next week. <laughs> yeah. To see if we're right. <laughs> yeah. Let me know. Or not let me know. We'll see uh, in one week's time if that is correct. We should mention that this is the reason we're doing this. Is because one of our $15 patrons, mm-hmm. Shelby Suderman, requested it. This is her request for uh, for us to do. So if you're one of our other $15 patrons and you haven't thrown your request in, I think we've done all the ones we've gotten so yes. far, right? But we have more $15 patrons in we that. We have so. one more from Shelby. But okay. it's like a series, yeah. so we're going to have to figure we'll out. We'll have to figure that out. We'll, we'll have to figure that out. But we can put it on the back burner because yeah. we're doing the other one that she, <laughs> that she requested pretty quickly. But that is one of the benefits. If you are a $15 patron is if you give us a request, we will work it in. As soon as we can, you know, realistically to get that in there because we appreciate your support. Uh, And so, yeah, some of our other $15 patrons, if there's something you want to see us talk about, specifically, ideally, a movie um, that is based on a book uh, and not like a whole, you know, a whole TV series or that sort of thing. It just makes it more complicated. We haven't we haven't delved into TV. We haven't taken the dive into TV series yet. Uh, It may happen eventually, but. Yeah, we're and then, uh, there are some things that are more realistic than other things. Yeah, we've talked about it before. Yeah, like Game of Thrones. Right, not super realistic. Not super realistic, but I'm sure we'll get to it one day. But not super realistic, uh, at least in the, in the short term. But uh, so yeah, if you're a 15 dollars patron, make sure you send us that uh, that recommendation for what you want to see or what you want to hear, and we will try to do it as soon as we can. And for everybody else, that's a little 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 bit of candy, a little bit of carrot to get you to come. <laughs> Support us for $15 over on Patreon. All right, that's going to do it for this prequel episode of This Film is Lit. As always, if you could do us the favor of going to iTunes or wherever you listen to us, primarily iTunes, give us a five-star review and a rating. Huge help uh, helps bump us up in the recommendations and that sort of thing, so we go out to even more people. You can also follow us on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, we also have a subreddit. It's kind of not really active, but it's there. Uh, And that's going to do it. So until next time, guys, gals, non-binary, and everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And and keep keep being being awesome. awesome.